Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Pod, your weekly dose of gaming news. I am Pixels for Breakfast, joined as always by my partner in crime, Blue. How's it going? It's pretty okay. It's still a long week, and it looks like there's a lot of news in this week. Yeah, there's there's always a lot of news, which is which is good, um, which is weird for this time of year because it's usually winding down, but I guess... COVID has yeah. just changed so much in terms of dates and development cycles that we're just getting bombarded with a bunch of new stuff, which, you know, is good for making content, but uh, yeah. means that we're not really getting a break towards the end of the year. Some of this is, uh, well, we'll get to it, but some of this is actually just pushing things out, which, you know, fits in with the COVID thing. It, it's mucked up a lot of schedules. So some things are just changing times and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. But we're going to kick things off with a surprise announcement this week from Rockstar, who revealed that Red Dead Redemption 2's online component, Red Dead Online, is going to become a standalone product as of December 1st. Uh, so Red Dead Online was originally launched in 2018. It was a beta product then. And like I remember fans and critics alike were just panning this thing because it hardly had any content in it. You would play it for a few hours and just be bored with nothing to do. They've been adding a bunch of stuff to that, but then they had huge issues with cheating and griefers, which I guess they've cracked down on that. And they've slowly been adding more and more content. They're just about to or have just released a brand new expansion, the Bounty Hunter expansion, which has been getting a lot of people talking. And now they've just announced that they're going to be splitting it off and doing it as a standalone product, Red Dead Online. Uh, they're going to be offering it for 20 bucks US, 19.99 US dollars as of December 1st. For Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, and they're going to be giving a 75% discount until February 15 next year. So for $4.99, you can jump in and roam around the Wild West with your friends. Uh, I actually never got around to playing Red Dead 2 online. I didn't really like Red Dead a lot, but I have found myself thinking about going back to check that out. So mm. now seems like a great time because I could rope some friends in on the cheap to join me on that, that quest. Um, Do you know if it's cross-platform? I... They do not mention it here. I assume it is not. I, yeah, I, I also assume it's not. Just as a thought. Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting to me, though, because GTA Online had this very same arc. It came out and it was a yep. busted, broken mess. Yep. And they worked on it for yep. years. And now it's it's like this weird, huge game. Like, I would even say it probably it pulls more or as much money as Fortnite. But... No one really talks about it. Like, I think you either play GTA Online or you don't, and I don't, yeah. so I don't know much about it. But, you know, you'll get this these posts every now and then. It's like, yeah, like, this game made $6 million this month. And you're yeah. like, what's going on? Like, what is GTA Online? And I, f I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 is definitely, or I guess Red Dead Online, is definitely on its way to having the I, same sort I of I think success. Rockstar wants lightning to strike in a bottle again. And I always thought of GTA Online as um, paid Roblox. It, it's <laughs> like you can do anything you want, but it's a bit more premium and it's a bit nicer looking. You know, like yep, it's it's a it's this. I want to say hellscape, but I mean that in a nice way of like everyone just breaking everything, and that's how the game is meant to be. And I think it's cool, and it's totally not for me, but I also question whether or not there's market for two of these ecosystems to coexist run by the same developer i know? yeah i do wonder and like this is part of my fascination of checking it out like even though i didn't like red dead uh 2 very much like it is very contemplative it's very like i'm going out into the mm. wilderness to do things yeah 
Like GTA Online component is. Yeah, I need to know how that fits in because GTA Online yep. makes sense because GTA is like this crazy caricature of yeah. criminal underworld, right? Whereas, absolutely, absolutely. What does it's meant to be over the top? Yeah, I wonder if Red Dead is grounded. Like, I do know that there are jobs and things like that that you need to do, and like there are whole quest lines where there's no combat. So, like, does yeah. this skew to a different audience? Maybe, and maybe it actually provides like a really awesome system for people to sit in. Like, I just don't know. Um, so I guess I'm, for me, I'm taking this opportunity is I'm going to jump in and get a few people mm-hmm. on board. I'll probably grab it on PC just so I can get some breakfast club members. Easier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I did grab it on Xbox when it came out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty keen to see why obviously they've got enough fan base to, to make it to this far. So there's obviously something there. I will also say rockstar is big enough that they can force something to be big. <laughs> yeah, It's also very to. true. Like rockstar's marketing. You know, people give Bethesda flack for like, oh, they're no longer going to journalists and stuff like that. Well, Rockstar has done the same thing. You you either tap into the Rockstar lines of communication or you hear nothing from them. Yeah. They have their own hype cycle machine. It is com- it is almost siloed off from the rest of the industry and not just industry, sorry, from the uh, community, from the market share. And they're diehard fans. It, it's This is the perfect kinds of games for these people. And it's beautiful. It's great. But, uh, yeah, I, I do wonder how much of a user base there is. It's so weird. It's not necessarily reported very heavily. It's yeah. It's quite interesting. Exactly. So I guess we'll find out on December 1st. But Absolutely. Rockstar are not the only ones changing up how they do business because Fortnite on December 2nd, the very next day, will be mm-hmm. launching a subscription service. Uh, yep. Now, keeping in mind, I have not played Fortnite since it first came out. And I used to work on it, but I know nothing about it these days. There's so much different stuff. Um, But the Fortnite Crew subscription will uh, launch alongside Chapter 2 Season 5. And it'll cost $11.99 a month, which gives you access to the current Battle Pass, 1,000 V-Bucks to spend in the store, alongside exclusive cosmetic packs that will not be available anywhere else. Um, Now, just as a value proposition from what I do know, that seems to be pretty okay. That's... You know, the battle pass is roughly 10 bucks every few months. 1,000 V-Bucks is about 8 US dollars. Also, I'm sorry if you can hear a chiming sound. The kerosene truck is driving past my house right now. Yeah, I can barely hear it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little peek behind the curtain into Japanese street sounds. <laughs> um, yeah, so 1,000 V-Bucks is about 8 bucks. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, 18 bucks just for that. So it seems like good value for those who are deep into the Fortnite trenches. Uh, I know that I'm going to speak for you here, but we always say that if you like your free-to-play games, then you should do your best to support them when it makes sense to do so. And as I said, mm-hmm. as someone who doesn't know a lot about Fortnite on the surface, this actually does look like good sense. If you're going to be buying that stuff anyway, um, mm-hmm. jump into that Fortnite crew subscription. This isn't really a huge bit of news, but it's just a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Uh, Steam, mm-hmm. who constantly does these, you know, uh, hardware surveys. I'm sure if you're a PC gamer, you've had one or two pop up uh, on your Steam client. And they've announced that uh, controller usage on Steam has doubled in the past two years, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Like, I use a controller pretty frequently. Like, I obviously prefer keyboard and mouse, but some games are just better on a controller, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. so we've seen... Monster a- Hunter, I couldn't imagine on keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Monster Hunter, um, you know, any sort of driving game, I always prefer a controller over a keyboard. Absolutely. All that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, I don't use a controller to play an RTS or anything, but... Yeah. 
Um, Valve, this came out alongside uh, Valve releasing uh, updated support for the new DualShock 5 controller, DualSense 5 controller uh, from PlayStation. And the information here is that the growth of the PlayStation controller usage in particular has been even stronger, increasing from 10.9% of controller play sessions to 21.6% over the same period. So that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, part of that is because, you know, X input from Xbox controllers is just supported natively by Windows and it just works. Yeah. You used to have to connect like third party software and download all this hacky stuff to get PS4 controllers working. Yeah. Um, So I I think it's just normalizing because I want to give credit where credit is due here. Valve has done a really good job of it's just built in uh, driver reading. Yeah. You plug in and. It it does not I, for anyone who thinks this might be the case. It does not plug and play to Windows 10. It plugs and play. It plug and plays to Steam. Like, and that's a major thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's um pretty interesting because a lot of people are either very excited or not very excited by the dual sensors. Uh, you know, haptic feedback capabilities. Yeah. Some people absolutely love it. There's this whole thing of, well, are developers are even going to use it to its full extent? Mm-hmm. Because if you're making games for multiple platforms, are you going to put in the money to develop for that? If the PlayStation so- controller becomes the gold standard on PC, then that could sway into a bit of a yes territory, where right now I feel like it's mm-hmm. not, unless you're like a PlayStation yeah. exclusive game. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not a huge news. It's just an interesting tidbit that interesting. I thought was, you know, absolutely kind of cool. Uh, let's dive into the big piece. This is a really big piece here. So last week we talked about Capcom and the ransomware attacks that they suffered. A whole bunch of information came out about that. And since then, Capcom has still not given into the demands of the uh, hacker group. So more information has been released. Now, it is important before we go further into this to remember that this should all be taken with a grain of salt. It's based on stolen information, which is bad. Mm-hmm. It's being held at ransom, which is even worse. And also remember that game development is so in flux normally, let alone a pandemic on top of that. And business yep. deals at all times can go south. So grain of salt here. Let's get into it. Ace Attorney is apparently getting a series of releases. Uh, Ace Attorney 7, which is the most recent one released in Japan, is coming to the West sometime in quarter three, 2021. And they will also be releasing the Great Ace Attorney series of games, which have never been released outside of Japan. They were 3DS titles. I believe there are two of them. And they will be arriving in April 2021 for the PS4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Uh, Apparently, the two games are going to be bundled, just like they did with the Ace Attorney trilogy recently. Uh, And it will include all the DLC that was released for those games for 40 bucks. I'm assuming all of these prices are in US where they do pop up. Uh, so yeah, if you're into Ace Attorney, which I have dabbled with the attorney myself, um, that's pretty exciting because Ace Attorney 7, by all reports, is an extremely great game. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. Have you, have you played Ace Attorney, Blue? I don't know if that's... No, yeah. Is that your thing? It could be. Could be. Uh, it, it's so... No, as in, what is it? What do you compare it to? What do I have as a benchmark? I mean, you know, it's... Ace Attorney is Ace Attorney. Yeah, yeah. It's probably just a... I don't know, it's a visual novel, but with some light courtroom it's, it's objections. Not. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a bit more bombastic than your standard visual novel. Yeah, yeah. It sets itself out there to be um, a spectacle, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. visual novel doesn't tend to be. I mean, sometimes visual novels are like um, 
you know, they, they take this, like, weird angle at something. But Ace Attorney is just stylish. It's not exactly... It, it, it's hard to compare. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite Umineko, and it's definitely not quite... I don't know what a traditional one. It's it's definitely not Steins Gate, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Well, you might have a chance to check out some of the new ones, which would be great. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Capcom is also keeping on their remake business, which of course they would because those Resident Evil remakes have been killing it for the company. Uh, mm-hmm. So last week we were talking about the possibility of RE4 getting a HD remake because rumor was that there's a VR version of RE4 on the horizon. Well, yep. it seems that has been confirmed that it's going to be releasing in Q4 2022. So, yep. therefore, we would make the assumption that the VR version that apparently Oculus has locked up in an exclusive deal will launch around the same time because surely they're not going to be doing that off, uh, you know, an older engine. Doesn't uh, make sense, yeah. Yeah, they're also, these documents are claiming that Capcom is working on a Final Fight remake, which will arrive in quarter two, 2024 which would be the first mm. Final Fight release since 2006. Uh, Final Fight, obviously, one of the ultimate classic beat-em-up franchises. Uh, yep. so I know I personally haven't really played a lot of Final Fight games, but I know a lot of people are big fans of those. I've played Final Fight characters in not Final Fight games. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, yeah. And they're also apparently remaking the cult classic Power Stone, which will arrive in quarter three, 2024. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, there, there's also um, evidence to support that it's actually just going to be more of an up version of the Vita versions that were released. Apparently they did a Japanese version is. of a Vita version. Um, yeah, even if it is. So, uh, slight context here, Power Stone is one of the gems of fighting games. It's, <laughs> it's a pun, see? Yeah. <laughs> Power Stones have gems in them. Um, as in, it is such a cool combat system and has such a a unique feel to it that no other game has really replicated and and its fans have like been clamoring for Capcom please do something with this. However, Capcom owns so many IPs where fans just keep clamoring Capcom please do something with this and Power Stone isn't nearly at the top of that list, but I'm glad someone's listening and I do hope this is true. But again, you know, like Secret of Mana I think had like people asking for a <laughs> A, yeah. a translation for 10 years and then it just comes out of, this is like in that vein of like i wouldn't hold your breath until it actually happens yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um back to the resident evil franchise resident evil mm. outrage is a thing that exists that apparently is coming q4 next year which would make two resident evil outings in a single year because resident evil village is also coming out april next year but there's also evidence to say that Resident Evil Outrage is the previously leaked multiplayer version uh, or I release. I was gonna say. Yeah, that's coming alongside yeah, Resident it, Evil it Village. So that sounds that, more likely. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. The interesting thing here is that those reports are also saying it's a battle royale experience, which could be interesting. Maybe you're in a village and you need to escape. Maybe it's like a Dead by Daylight-esque uh, sort Yeah, of thing. I, I was going to say, like, Battle Royale Dead by Daylight would be cool. I could see that working, maybe, so... I mean, in in I Resident Evil? Yeah. I could see that. I don't really want it, but I could see it. Um, there's also That's another... Interesting. Pro- there's another two projects announced, uh, mentioned. One is called Biohazard Apocalypse. That's uh, shooting for quarter three, 2023. But no other information mm-hmm. is known. And then there's another thing called Resident Evil Hank, 
which is aiming for Q4 2024. That sounds like a code name, obviously. Um, H-A-N-K? H-A-N-K. Hank, as in Tom Hanks. Could could that be a translation thing? It could be a translation thing. Um, it could just be because a code Hunk word. Because Hunk has been a thing that people have also been asking for for a while. They teased ideas about what a hunk game would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's hunk true. being hunk being one of the like um, agents that escapes from the mansion in Resident Evil Two, and you get you get to play this very limited like yeah 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 run with him. Um, that that uh, people have asked for like what is hunk? Who is hunk? We yeah. want to explore that character. Uh, Resident Evil hunk makes more sense than Resident Evil Hank to me, but it could be Resident Evil Hank. Yeah, who knows? But Q four twenty twenty four that would. That doesn't seem like long enough after Village, but, you know, if they're RE's, like, they're, you know, more, like, Re- Monster Hunter World, like, absolutely killed it, but RE mm-hmm. is definitely the more accessible of the two killer franchises that they have, so I could definitely see them having, like, a skeleton team already working on what's the thing after Village. Um, we also don't know what is in-house, what is not. Yeah. RE 3 was not in-house. Exactly. Uh, and if they're willing to release the Resident Evil name to outside studios, uh, anything goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also had some sequels mentioned. Dragon's Dogma 2, which had been teased and kind of mentioned offhand, uh, is arriving quarter 2, 2022. Mega Man Match is coming out quarter 3, 2022. We have no idea what it is. It could be a spin-off. It could be a mobile game. It could be a mainline game. Like, we don't know. They also mentioned... Sounds like a puzzle game, right? It sounds like a puzzle game, but I mean, what if it was like the, you the, can... From just the name, yeah. You can mix and match the powers from different... Like, there there are ways that you yeah. could make that work, right? So... Uh, the return of ZX, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also mention of Onimusha, new, new work, which uh-huh. doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because I'm of the understanding that Onimusha, uh, its remaster didn't do so well. Um, but apparently that's a thing. Um, Considering it's not a numbered sequel, it could be a reboot, is what's floating around. Uh, Capcom often does things based on passion. Yep. I will say this. And and Capcom definitely has bottom line projects, as in, like, this project is for our bottom line. Yeah, yeah. But Capcom do not make good business sense projects. And I mean that in the best way possible. I love Capcom. The, The thing you should take away from all of this report is, holy shit, Capcom has a library. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, they, like, they have that library shit. from taking risks, but yeah, they've also gotten themselves into trouble by taking said risk, haven't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, when the house wins too many times, uh, you you get very close to bankruptcy. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and then the least surprising mention, of course, is Street Fighter Six. They already mm-hmm. have three versions of the game on the books. Street Fighter Six is arriving Q3 2022. Super Street Fighter 6 will be arriving Q4 2023, and Ultra Street Fighter 6 will be arriving in Q4 2024. Now, we all know that they do that, but seeing it written down, planned out, really just makes me feel dirty about all of that, and I don't even play Street Fighter. It was just like, come on. Uh, they'll probably continue the model that they have with Street Fighter 5, and Street Fighter 5's model was, if you buy Street Fighter 5, you get base number of characters, and then DLC packs, fighter packs, whatever, whatever you can call them, come out. And then every now and then they just go, if you want to buy in, instead of buying base game and DLC, you buy this super version, and it's everything up to now. Yeah. All of it runs on the same engine, you don't need the new characters, 
You don't need the new characters to play against the new characters. So it's just a way for them to get people to buy in later if they don't buy in early. If you buy in early, you always get the value of, yeah, I bought in early. I, I spent a bit more over the entire lifetime, but it was over multiple years. And every time a DLC pack comes out, I don't need to, I don't need to buy Super and Ultra. I just need to buy whatever is the latest DLC if I even want to use these characters, and I may not want to. I suspect that's the model that they're going for here because Street Fighter V has done the same thing. It's Championship Edition didn't require you to buy Championship Edition. You just could have base Street Fighter. And you could even purchase it from in-game currency, in fact. The, the fight, characters fight and currency, you, yeah. Yeah, the fight money. And you primarily got that by playing online. So I'm leaning towards trusting that they'll have a good model for this. Um, and that the Super and Ultra versions are just, you know... The collection. The, the bundle up until now. Yeah, yeah, to make it easier to buy. Because you don't want to end up in a Euro Truck Simulator situation uh, for <laughs> something so niche as a fighting game. It, yeah. Like, I'm not... This is not, like, throwing shade at Euro Truck or, or like, Train Simulator or whatever, right? They're, they're great for what they are. They fit for the market that they have. But uh, fighting game players aren't rich in general. So, yeah. uh, Capcom, th this is a way to make it so that it's appealing to buy in even when you have this, in, like, very... Um, intimidating roster yeah absolutely um so that's that's it once again that is grain of salt stuff but across the two leagues yep. we pretty much have on the books every project that they have until 2024 mm. Mm. that's gotta hurt them we do know that they have a couple of projects that we're not sure what they are they're 100 percent code names and new ip and that sort of thing but still mm. like it seems pretty plausible like there's nothing here that is like or oh, that is just uh, 100% untrue, not going to happen. All of this seems really plausible. The fact that... Power Stone. Power Stone makes me go, oh, this might not be true. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, that, it, it's so weird to think about Power Stone being an official documentation again. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the thing that, for me, that really cinches this is that Capcom are working with the prefectural police. They are making calls to staff who have yeah. had their stuff. Like, no. it happened. It, I, I would I yeah. would um, very seriously consider the, the legitimacy of this information. I think there's a good chance it is uh, good. Not good as in good, but like as in like it is relatively true. Yeah. Uh, this sucks for Capcom. However, I think you can still build a really good hype cycle out of this. Yeah, that's the thing. Right. Like if if I, I know the stuff's coming, I'm just more excited for it that day. Like it's not a. I actually yeah. I actually don't think that. Uh, Capcom will have the, no offense to them, I don't think they'll have the right team to spin this well. Yeah. Uh, they do tend to struggle in the communication side. They've been getting better. Monster Hunter and Street Fighter have, like, effectively directs now, mm -hmm. which is super cool, where the developers, like, it's not a marketing person, it's, like, the developers talking yeah. to video, very Overwatch Jeff Kaplan style. Yeah, 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 right. That is a trend that I 100% support. Yeah, 100%. It increases the transparency of, like, this is why we do it, let us know if, if our assumptions here are wrong. And it has mostly been received with amazing success. Like, so much support behind this uh, this push to this kind of communication between developers and players. I hope this doesn't make them backtrack on that and they double down on it because they, they don't have to say, as you know, they can just say, you know, some in anticipation for this and then we're going to announce it here. Here's an actual first look. Because there's a difference between seeing it written down on paper and a diff and then seeing footage. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. There's there's a lot to be done here. Good luck to Capcom. I I think there's yeah, I think you can build something pretty cool out of this still aside from, you know, this must be a hor- horrible like month for Capcom having to deal with the theft and the police and the ransom. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, thoughts Def- out to all of the people dealing with that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely not a good time. Um Moving on to something else that's not a good time if you're playing it. This isn't really so much a news story. We just wanted to highlight and have a bit of a chat about a game called Tin Can. Uh, Now, this launched into Steam Early Access back in October. And the basic premise is Apollo 13. You're in this tiny little lunar thing and things start going wrong and you have to sort of look at manuals and move bits and pieces around and try and keep yourself alive in this little thing. And Blue and I were just kind of talking about this weird notion of micro simulation mundanity and how that's kind of mm. become an entire genre. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think of Viscera immediately. Yeah. Viscera, Viscera, I don't know which one you want to, like, obviously it's based on the word visceral, but yep. most people pronounce it Viscera yep. in detail. Yep. Um, where it's just, why would you ever want to be a janitor? Well, <laughs> I guess you find... House Flipper, um, Hard Space Shipbreaker like, was one we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, well. yeah, and it's 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 interesting, and I think this one is a bit more directed, where you have to react to, oh no, we're gonna die. So there, like, it, it feels like a cross between um, Viscera and freaking uh, keep talking and nobody explodes. Yeah, I was about to say, there's definitely, like, there are moments here where you're, like, inspecting manuals in the game to change air filters and all those sorts of things, like... I uh, what I love about it is the notion that, you know, you have these systems and you need all of these subsystems to stay up and to stay alive, but you only have enough part to keep some of them running at any given time and you just have to prioritize. Oh, is oxygen running low or is this or is that? And Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of like trade-off sounds super interesting to manage if if um if done right even talking about this right like it makes me think about how ah like here in japan you have to get like an emergency earthquake kit and all that sort of stuff yeah and i'm like oh yeah if anything happens i don't know how to use any of this stuff (laughs) (laughs) you own it you own it and it's like i have a first aid kit i don't know how to splint a broken leg or like, I don't know what 99% chance you will never need to use it, but if you hit that 1% chance, God help you. Yeah, yeah. So now uh, I'm just thinking about me being in this tin can and just being like, oh, the air yeah. filter's done, and I'm just sitting in a corner crying because I know that I can't fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, I don't know. I had to... Well, I, I came into the situation where I never used the dishwasher, but then the dishwasher broke down as I was leaving Australia, and I'm like, I never used this. You know what? I don't need to fix this. Like, I don't want to learn how to fix this. <laughs> and uh, if I was in a tin can in space, well, fuck. Yep. <laughs> like that's it's, it's all done. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. could be cool. I um I, I I like the emerging genre. It's not quite mainstream yet, but it's cool. Maybe maybe blue. We should do a worth it video uh, of you and I. Doing tin can. Maybe. You can, you can be my Maybe. mission control. Oh, that's gonna go well. <laughs> Alright, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. a quick mention. Yeah, just a quick mention. Not really a, a new thing, but just something that caught, caught our eyes. Um, mm. A game that I know, Mesmer, who I don't know who if he listens to this podcast, but he's very excited about this. 
The World Ends With You, the cult role-playing game from Square Enix, is getting a sequel 14 years after the original came out. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this will have a lot to live up to. Yeah, yeah. This one is called Neo, The World Ends With You. It's launching for the Switch and PS4 in summer 2021. Uh, brand new announcement trailer. I also saw that there's an anime coming out on this universe, or there is an anime out. Sure. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've never played the original. I often hear its name mentioned by a lot of people who love JRPGs. Um, so yeah. Hey, 14 years later, you're finally going to get that sequel, which is pretty cool. I love it when, when developers do this, I love when there is a franchise that, you know, time has passed. Hopefully they've come up with a really good idea and it's not just a nostalgia cash grab, which, you know, you mm. do see that, but I think they've already mo- done that with this franchise. Yeah. They did a final remix, right? They've done a number of things, actually. They've actually adjusted the way the game plays completely oh, across really? its various iterations. Yeah. So the original game was for the 3DS. No, for the, no, the DS. original DS, yeah. Yeah, the DS, not even the 3DS. Which meant that it had a dual-screen gameplay thing where the, um, where the top screen was your companion and you were effectively fighting side-by-side in separate realities. Right, right. And you had, you had to manage both. You didn't directly control them. Um, in, in, for example, the iOS port, you don't have two screens. So both characters exist on one screen mm-hmm. and the gameplay mechanics are slightly altered to make that work. Um, I would say for the better, I've only played the DS version yep. on my 3DS. Mm-hmm. It is hard. I, I found it very difficult to watch two screens at once because there's quite a lot of information and, and a reasonable amount of precision if you're using the stylus to do actions on the on the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way that combat system felt, and that was enough of a deterrent for me to not get through to it. So I never got... Everyone talks about this amazing epiphany moment late, later, like middle of the game onwards. I, I didn't get there. Yeah, Because right. I just couldn't deal with it. It was just not interesting, the combat system. I, I tried to get into it, but I couldn't. Yeah, uh, interesting. Looking at the trailer for this one, I actually think I might check it out it's like looking mm. at them running around the streets of shibuya and it's like yeah. pic- picture perfect even though it's anime cartoon like i recognize the buildings and the branding yep. of the buildings and stuff so it looks pretty interesting to me it, it i think they have a good tone and they know but the world ends with you felt experimental yeah and it just happened to hit on a very good story and so i think i got i bounced off of the mechanics and that's probably fair enough yeah uh, I, I have good hope that this will just be much better mechanically. Yeah, fingers crossed. They're not gonna. You don't tend to experiment mechanically with a sequel, you know. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, the gameplay looks pretty standard for JRPG. Standard in, in the trailer, at least. Yep. So. Yeah. So, yeah, fingers crossed is good. I, I want the fans of The World Ends with You to get everything they want out of this because nothing is more disappointing than a long-awaited sequel that's a bit lackluster. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Good luck. You know, Borderlands 3, for instance. Uh, Star Citizen, the game <laughs> that is never, ever, ever, ever coming out. Let's just be honest. Like, it's horseshit. Yeah. They, mm. this is such a non-news piece, but I've covered Star Citizen ah. a few times. So, um, they've added another developer studio into their pipeline here. Uh, so, it's a mm. Canadian studio called Turbulent. Um, Cloud Imperium Games, which is a company that... Uh, is making Star Citizen that Chris Roberts owns. They purchased an, a minority stake in that company, and they're launching a new operation outside of Montreal. 
which is dedicated to creating new features, locations, and entire star systems that will be added to the game on an ongoing basis. Ooh. Yeah, maybe you could have a game there too at some point. That'd be pretty cool, guys. I don't know. I'm. I know Valen plays a lot. Like this game has already taken over three hundred twenty-three million dollars of money, and it still hasn't released its single player. It's still nowhere near complete. Like I just, it feels like, it feels borderline illegal at this point. This is a lesson to any, any like um you know, in aspiring developers out there. One of the first things you're going to be taught is scope. Uh, this is the anti-example. Star Citizen is horrible. On paper, it's a horrible game. It just, it it's an impossible project. We talked before, just before this recording, about I would, I I shudder to think about the producers, who probably work with them. I don't know. It feels like there's no producer to rein in this insanity that is the Star Citizen, like everything, right? And what for a- some people, that's cool. Um, but oh my god, from a project perspective, it's horrible. What I don't get is um, Chris Roberts just rolls on in, hasn't made a game in about a decade, I reckon it was. Maybe even longer, mm. maybe a little bit shorter, but a long time. Had not made, mm. and he'd only ever made Wing Commander. It's not like he had made like a bunch of different genres here. And he's now just making the most ambitious fucking crazy thing where you can do whatever the fuck you want and you have to buy like ships and. And and, mm. and insurance and like we're just gonna keep making mm. it for a decade and it's still not even out. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Are mm. you kidding? Me? Yep. Anyway, it, it, <laughs> it's a game where every good idea gets in, and this is what happens when every good idea gets in. I want it to be it's not amazing. I want it to be good, but do you know what? I want to fucking play it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's it's a it's a lose 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 situation right they can never stop they can never stop they can never say this is good enough we release now because that's never been the way they did things before they the, i don't see the world where this product finishes i don't I, think yeah i mean we're getting into the space where games never finish right they're just live service forever but this, but game, this is not the same yeah it hasn't hit a critical point of this is 1.0 this is the not l- starting like, ground so so here is another way bring say tin can for example it's it's in early access because the developers decided this is the basics the the base systems of everything that we can build up complexity around it star citizen didn't do that star citizen went these are all the cool things let's put the cool things in well what's the core aspect we don't have one yet yeah. You know, it, it's the reverse problem of No Man's Sky. Yeah. Where No Man's Sky had the basics and nothing, no fluff, no no frills around it, which is a problem that sucks as well. That's a different, it's the complete other problem of, well, you have a lot of frills, but please, you know, have a, have a, have a 1.0. Mm. Mm. You've just given me an idea. I think our second Dev Note series should be on the No Man's Sky launch, because that... That could be cool. That's a very interesting story that I think Sony threw a company that wasn't prepared under the bus. But anyway. Under the bus. Yeah. Now Star anyway. Citizen are just throwing their fans under the bus. Um, the last bit of news that we're going to touch on here. Uh, well, actually, no, it's not because Blue has his fighting game corner at the end. But yeah. uh, Cuphead devs have uh, 
confirmed that the uh, Last Course DLC, sorry, Delicious Last Delicious. Course DLC will not be launching this year. So it's going to arrive mm-hmm. in 2021. It was supposed to arrive last year, and then they said that they wanted to push it back to 2020 so it would meet the meticulous level of care and quality that the studio yep. always strides for, which if you've mm. seen and played Cuphead, like that game, you have to have it super polished, otherwise it just doesn't work. Yep. Uh, they've just it, Its mechanics are mediocre at best. It lives and dies on its art style. Yeah, 100%. Um, 18 months later, after that initial announcement, 2020 is coming to an end, and they've made another announcement. Uh, in true studio MDHR fashion, we aren't content for this final chapter to be anything less than our best work. Throughout development, we've challenged ourselves to put everything we learned from making Carped into the quality of the delicious Last Course's animation, design, and music. Meeting this standard has been extremely challenging for us amid the global pandemic that has affected so many of our fellow developers. Rather than compromise in our own vision in response to COVID, We've made the difficult decision to push back the release of the delicious last course until we are confident it will delight the Cuphead community the way we feel it should. We know Mm. many of you have been waiting to return to the Inkwell Isles, and our goal Mm. is to make the trip back there next year a truly magical one. Mm. It's not super surprising. I have seen, uh, not attached to this story, but in many stories when companies have come out and said COVID has caused issues, uh, and, yep. and granted, yes, some people are probably using that as a cop-out, but people also need to take into account that, you know, it's not just, oh, you're game devs, you can work from home. It's like state of mental health, the, the concerns yes. of everything going on around the world, job security. Like, there's, there's a lot more to it than do you have a job, do you not have a job, do you have food? There's a lot of support structure that goes into can I stay in and sit at my computer and do work? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So it's not super surprising, and I think... I don't know. I, I do feel like the general uh, tone of most gamers, especially people who play indie games like Cuphead, uh, is that they would rather delay and have a great product than push out yeah, unfinished sure. stuff. I think we're finally starting to hit that sort of critical mass of people thinking absolutely, that way. Absolutely. So, and yeah. In the case of Delicious Last Chorus, I can only imagine it's going to look amazing. Yeah. It it felt like they were finding their legs in some of the bosses in Cuphead. And if this is post all of that, all of those lessons get to go into this. Because King Dice was a really cool fight. The devil so-so. King Dice. King Dice looked amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all of this also makes me just think, man, cool. I'm glad the people who like Cuphead have Cuphead. Bleed is a better game. Like, the Bleed 1 and Bleed 2, oh. they're just better games. Look, I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna play it, but you... That's not, like, I no, I completely understand you, you're busy, dude, but, like, you, 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 I, I, you... I, I thought about this very hard when I was playing Bleed, like, why do I like this game so much? And I just realized this is what Cuphead, like, wanted to be, and, it, like, it just didn't have the development chops to, like, the, the designers didn't have the leeway to make it this, and, yeah, Bleed is amazing. It's just so well, it's so polished. So you, good. You'll be happy to know this month Bleed 2 is coming to Xbox Games with Gold, so I'll be able to get those sweet okay. Chivos. It's, it, it, I, I don't know how to describe how much I like Bleed at this point, <laughs> yeah. other than just saying I really like that game. Um, like Hyperbole doesn't feel adequate to describe it. Yeah, that's a fair call. Well, we'll find out soon. That's the end of the news this week. I mean, there was a lot more yeah. news, but that's just what we decided to talk about because we knew the Capcom piece would yeah. take up a chunk of time. Uh, so, Blue, have you been oh, playing things? Going, 
Wait, 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 no. Going to another oh, game sorry. that I don't know how to describe how much I love this game. Um, I forgot Blue's Fighting Corner. I just Yeah, they're, 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 apparently this is a thing now where I have my garbage fighting game corner news. Um, <laughs> last week we touched very briefly on Nintendo and the Smash community and how a big online Smash tournament was uh, effectively just completely cancelled because Nintendo cease and desist them and like it didn't just hit melee which was the primary offender there but because of the cease and desist even um smash ultimate is not allowed to be run um which is very unfortunate uh monday u.s time this week uh the week that this podcast was recorded in a twitch rivals sponsored event that was many months in the making for uh, ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 which initially launched in i want to say 2012 2011 maybe so uh just under 10 years ago had a massive tournament invitational only uh a massive as in like viewer count tournament uh that was a 32 man invitation only uh online tournament and um as you know as the week has gone on we we've gotten proper reports back brought in nearly 40,000 concurrent viewer oh sorry total viewers across the entire uh single day tournament was run um, in conjunction with Twitch Rivals, primarily hosted on um, fighting game advocate Maximilian Dude's channel, and it was just a celebration of all of the good things in the hypest fighting games. It, I I snuck some time in to you know like have one eye on it as I worked, and. It, it is so fun. Um, Ultimate Marvel's Capcom 3 is one of the hardest fighting games to get into. From a, like, it, it looks super intimidating, and then you realize that yeah, it, it's it's super intimidating, and there's a massive ceiling to how good you can get. But besides all that, it is such a spectacle to watch. There will be highlights on YouTube and stuff. I do recommend people go and check some of that out to see like yeah, this is what the state of fighting of this you know almost ten year old game is. And how excited, you know, the the really big thing is how excited the commentators are to be there to watch it. Um, this was a very cool event, and I want to talk about it as much as I could just wax poetic about the fighting game forever. I want to talk about some of the specifics of how this was run. This was run online. Uh, Marvel's Ultimate Marvel's Capcom 3 is now on PC, and its PC port is not great. It does not have good um, netcode, which means that as you're playing, it is um, delay-based. So if you uh, push a button and the network decides, uh, no, it wasn't, like, I'm not synced up with the other side, with your opponent, so I can't let you push this button right now. It just won't let you push the button. Uh, and that that is really bad for a fighting game where people are sometimes reacting to, like, the limits of human reaction times. Um, to get around this, this is not kind of brought up very much at all in the in the stream, but it is kind of implicitly understood that players were playing on Parsec, which is a third-party uh, software, which, you know, like, in theory, if Capcom really wanted to, they could do the same thing Nintendo did from last week and just be like, you can't run this because it's going to be running on something else. But, you know, learning their lesson, this had none of that um, signage on it. So with Parsec, it effectively becomes a consistent delay, which means you can actually react. And it looks like the players are playing as if they're offline. Um, that is quite something to see. Uh, as they were running, 
a lot of competitors were also streaming their side of the matches, which is really cool because this means that um and, and like in Maximilian Dude, the primary channels um overlay was a an interface for a plugin for you to be able to go to various uh, competitors to see their perspective and to hear if they're talking about the game or whatever. And I think this is just such a cool way to run a tournament where a lot of people who are going to be playing these things would probably have a Twitch presence if they are any kind of famous player to promote a grassroots community that is all about the game um, to really celebrate how far the game has come. Because the game hasn't had Marvel Infinite, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which was technically the latest entry in the Marvel vs. Capcom franchise, was not like universally beloved not the same way ultimate world 3 was so this was a really good way to just go this is the last game that everyone agrees on to be like you know this like really cool and fun thing let's just celebrate it um yeah i don't have that much to say about it other than the fact that there's a lot of production value in it uh a lot of effort went into it there's a lot of just passion in the community about this and it stands in stark contrast to the cease and desist that we saw last week where this grassroots community is doing everything in its power to try to keep relevant and to bring the excitement of this very fun to watch game even if you don't want to play it it looks really cool to see wolverine uh being unloaded on by i don't know dante and we talked about sound design a couple of times here and there when wolverine blocks he just puts his arms up in a cross in front of his face, but it sounds like metal being hit. And I think that's such a cool, like, aspect of it. You know? Because his bones are... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like small things like that. It's such a, like, weird spectacle to watch. So, yeah. Uh, that's my quick, just, few-minute rant on uh, a cool thing that happened this week in fighting games. Specifically, I only brought it up because, yeah, last week we heard about the Nintendo thing. Yeah, it, um, it's super cool to see Parsec really stepping out there and doing a lot of different things. Like, it's being used for events now, so, like... Yeah, people being used for events. Yeah, even publishers are now using Parsec mm. to demo their games from dev units and all that sort of stuff. So, it, it's interesting to see uh, as, you know, companies like Microsoft and NVIDIA are doing more game streaming stuff and Stadia, if you want to lump that failure into that yeah um yeah and then you've got parsec over here that's you know just connecting devices basically so it's yeah super interesting time to be involved in that sort of stuff absolutely what have you been playing blue i've i've um i've needed an excuse to catch up with rpgs uh -huh. online as in like tabletop rpgs that i follow on youtube um without a second monitor because i'm only running off of a laptop right now not many games allow me the like focus to be able to do that so I decided to jump into the Pixels for Breakfast uh, community-run community Minecraft server. Oh, <laughs> Synergy, talking about that. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> and it's been super fun. Um, I haven't played... I did not play much of Minecraft early, and I certainly didn't want to buy into it when it jumped up in price after going to 1.0. Mm -hmm. I did not feel like it was a value proposition that was worthwhile at the time. But with the... Updates over the past couple of years with the um, Nether update from this year, 1.16. It's really cool. I really like the way the game feels at the moment. There's a lot that you can do. There's a lot to aim for. It always feels like you can have a project that you don't need a mod to tell you, like, yeah, aim for this weird subsystem. Uh, some of the balance is still a bit awkward. Some of the frustration is still quite extreme when bad things don't go your way. 
it's not a forgiving game, but for a game that I want to sit there and just mindlessly click on things and build simple machines while I listen to a changeling game, it's really good for that. Is the Pixel to Breakfast community-run server available to all members of the Breakfast Club Discord? That server, is it running creative or uh, survival? Survival. Ooh. Ooh. Hard mode survival. You're tempting me. You're tempting me. The big issue for me is that I, I, it's running Java Minecraft, and I want to use Windows 10 Minecraft. Yeah. So that's, that's where I, I run in, because I, I, I need my Chivos. I play Minecraft right. just for the Chivos. Just, just about the achievements? Because I don't, I'm not creative, so I don't build things or structures. So it's just like the reason I... Okay, so here's... Yeah, I, I'm not either. Uh, I think that current Minecraft can be neither... Can, can be experiential. Yeah, right? yeah, it can. Except I walk into a village and see the same model and it's just like... Eh, 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 eh. Have you... Okay, great example there. Great example, okay? There are now differences in aesthetics for... For example, the village near me is a tundra village. So it's it, it looks um it has a different architecture to for example a savanna village. It, there are abandoned villages now, which are just like covered in cobwebs and abandoned houses. There are I I think I've seen in a video before a very cool like Viking inspired Norse village where the village where the houses almost look like longboats. But the um, villages do they these... serve any purpose other than they look cool? Villagers are a way for you to trade. A lot of villagers can have professions where you can trade, so you can have a villager that spawns right. in. And you can turn normal villagers into clerics, shepherds, farmers, fletchers, and you can trade with them. And the, the currency they use are emeralds, so you can give them things for emeralds, give them emeralds for things. Um, for example, I um, go through a lot of arrows, so I have like traded with the fletcher to like just buy arrows from him. All um, right, all right, I'll download the Java version of Minecraft. You've convinced me. <laughs> I'll come and look okay, at so your here, here's deep a... shafts and your wiggly eyebrows. <laughs> a cool thing that happened was, I don't know if you've ever looked for buried treasure in Minecraft before? I have not. Uh, occasionally, as you're out on the ocean, you can see sunken ships. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you go down to the sunken ship, I think every sunken ship is guaranteed, one of the two chests in it will have a piece of paper that's a buried treasure map. And it's something that you hold in your hand and you see this like piece of terrain. And and you just have to, like, you, you can see an X, and you can see a marker for where you are. And if you're off the map, you're off the map. You're on the edge. So you have to, like, try to get into somewhere the map is. And once you get where the, the piece of paper is highlighting the terrain, you'll start to reveal area. And then you look for the X, and you go in, and you dig, and you get not, like, not crazy rewards, but sometimes you get, like, diamonds and stuff like that. It's quite experiential. It's quite, like, do you want to just wander the world and explore? There actually is things to do now when you try to do something like that. As opposed to it being this empty world where, yeah, I can just mine out 64 blocks and then, you know, build a giant dick in the sky or something. You can still totally do that. But you also have the capacity to be like, oh, I dug into this mi abandoned mine shaft. Let's, let's go and explore, see what's down there, what kind of things can we find in the chest down there, stuff like that. Okay. All right. I, yeah. That interests me a little more because last time I played, I think villages had just been added and they kind of didn't really do anything. Yeah. So. They're like... When when the world is empty, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Um, and and I'm not saying that the villagers are like super. They're just a trading post, effectively. Yeah. But there's enough small systems like this where, you know, there's an enemy in the Nether that is hostile to you, 
unless you're wearing gold, because they're obsessed with gold. And if you have gold bars, you can throw gold bars at them. Not interact, like just throw it out. They'll pick it up, and sometimes they'll just throw something back at you. <laughs> That's cool. You know, there's all these like small weird subsystems in there now, which is like, Oh, I, I just have to learn how this behavior works, and mm-hmm. that's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah nice, nice. And um, other than that, I've just been playing more um, space mining, deep rock life. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to now. I've got nights coming up free to make make a bit there. of time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I definitely want to get into that. Mm. I have been playing Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Ooh. Almost time for the review to be out. Yeah, so the review is coming out on YouTube. Um, yeah, I don't like that game. Oh, that's yeah. fair. So I really, I've, <laughs> I don't like not finishing games, but I couldn't bring myself to finish it. I that's how much I dislike the game. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a spoiler, if you had to one word for the game, spoiler, um, review spoiler. I mean, not not spoiler for the game. A, a non-spoiler, a single word way to review the game. Yeah. Pointless. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like, um, okay. I'm not going to go too heavy into it. Uh, no, watch, watch the not. review. But the entire time I was playing that game, I was just asking myself over and over again, who is this game for? And mm-hmm. I, I can't tell. I still can't tell if it's made for kids or if it's made for adults or if it's supposed to do the Pixar thing where adults get subtext, but the kids are just yep. along for the ride. Yeah, but if that is the case, the that adult very good writers. Yeah, the adult subtext yeah. is just so bad. Um, like the entire story is delivered from this quirky duo of Zeus and and Prometheus, but they're not quirky at all. It's it's not even dad joke level. It's just it, it's just fucking abysmal. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, that's a shame. Um, that's a shame. And it's even more of a shame because the actual open world part of the game is super... It's probably the best open world Ubisoft has ever made. Um, it's it's fantastic. About the highest bar. Yeah, but... Like, it but has good. it has the Breath of the Wild thing where I would end up on the other side of the map not doing my main quest because I would just see something and go to it and then see another thing yeah, and go to it. You keep... Breadcrumbing, breadcrumb trailing yeah, it, towards yeah, and away from your. There is stuff to find, which in Assassin's Creed, for instance, those open worlds are huge and beautiful, but there's not much to do in them. Where this was it's like, like, yeah. like if I was to sum it up super quickly, it is as if the developers played Breath of the Wild, really liked the look of Fortnite, like really mm. liked the look of Fortnite, and um, made a game. Based on the research that they did for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yep. And I'd like to think that Hades didn't colour my... Because Hades does a lot of interesting things with Greek mythology and these are the same characters and stuff. Yeah. And it's not even that they're an opposite. Like, I just just don't get it. I don't get who it's made for. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it to if you have kids or or young adults in your family that you want a game that anyone Mm -hmm. in the family can just jump in and play like sure it does that like you can let a kid run around and they'd probably enjoy it yep uh, if you're just looking for a here's a world to go collect a bunch of things and get achievements for the end of the year mm-hmm. to round that off sure. then sure go ahead but the game does like mindless game yeah the game does absolutely nothing new there's no reason that i'd be like you have to check this out it's a yep. nice looking world but you probably have a backlog of 50 games that have nice looking worlds that actually have meaning that you should go play instead yep. 
And that, that seems really harsh. And like, technically it's an okay game, but like, it's, yeah, as I said, I, it's tone just shifts so wildly over the place. And I understand that narrative does not make or break a game or always, right? Like you can have a really good game that has bad narrative. Like that's a thing that happens often, but they force the narrative front and center so often because Zeus and Prometheus are constantly like, there's a part in this game, right? Where, and this is one of the reasons why I do think it's for kids. Like, You'll you'll be going to rescue one of the gods, um, and it's yep. like filling you in on the story of how that god ended up to be the predicament, like the history behind it, like, mm. and that's cool. But then they go on to like make jokes about how boring it is that um, Prometheus is telling the story, or there's this section where they're talking about um, one of the Greek gods getting their genitalia cut off. Um, mm-hmm. But they're like doing the the talk, like oh, and then he got his whispering sounds, and it's like as an adult, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's not funny. Like, yep. what's going on? I don't get the comedic mm. timing here because there is none. Um, yeah. Or like, what really just like oh, there was a line where they were talking about um, and I it was one of the sessions I wasn't recording. I, mean, I, mm. I wish I was recording it. Um but they were talking about a child being born as part of one of these Greek myths. And um, Zeus is like, he or she? And then Prometheus is like silent. And he's like, ah, a non-binary child. How progressive are we? And I'm like, just by saying how progressive are we, you ruined all genuine sentiment there. Like you ruined, and do you know what? That actually could have been a really cool, touching, inclusive moment, but like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Oh, and like, uh, it's not funny. That it wasn't a funny no. moment. No, that's not. Yeah, that's just not funny, right? Like, yeah. Even if one day it could be funny, you don't. You don't make that kind of joke now. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, uh, I just. It's not hard. Like, it's not even that hard to. If if that's the level of writing, it's not even that hard to like bring it up to an acceptable level. But that sounds really rough. Yeah, and I was just like, no, nah, I rough. can't do it. So, and I've I've played I've played plenty of bad games in my time. But and this <laughs> the thing is like there is something here that I really like, like getting lost in the world. I really had a good time with that, and I wanted to spend more time in that world. And at the like, I was about 20, 30 hours into the game, and I was like, why am I spending so much time hating this beautiful world and mythology? I'm out. I'm done. I can't. Yep. And and after that long, I'd already seen most of what it's giving me. I was only going to see more story. And who knows? Maybe it becomes a Schindler's List amazing tonal shift that makes it all good. But I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh. So it's unfortunate. But yeah. It sucks because I was actually super excited to play this new release on my Xbox Series X, and it looked like it could be up my alley. And it certainly. I mean, the the curse of uh, launch games continues. I guess is another way of looking at it. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess, but you know. Um. So I've been playing that. I have been playing more Yakuza Like a Dragon. The game Mm. still just is the game that keeps on giving. The the thing is, because I'm playing it on the stream, I haven't been able to play it. I've only played it once since we spoke last. And yep. this thing where I want to go and do all the side quests while I'm not streaming, but all the side quests are the funny, really weird, quirky things. 
Uh, yeah. And then I can't continue on the main line because that, like, the story. So it's just like, oh, I need to stream more of that game because that I think yeah. about that game a lot. Um, it yeah. Talk okay, like like you want to talk about tonal shift, right? <laughs> Yakuza and its side quests are so tonally different from the main quest, but it works because it's sincere. Yeah, it's sincere, and it also because the main line is just so dead freaking heavy. serious. It's heavy. Yeah, it, there's it, so it, much heavy. heaviness in there, and soul. So much heaviness and soul, and a lot of these side mm. quests are filled with heart and soul and levity, yeah. and some of them are uh, heavy, but has interesting things to say. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. One of one of the greatest failings of video games is that our our plot and narrative tend to take a lower priority than you know mechanics aesthetics um even ui right and that's very understandable but games like yakuza kind of prove that when you do it right it matters it can be a core factor for the enjoyment of this game and we need more remind I i i think more people need to like demand this kind of excellence when it makes sense not every game should have yeah you know narrative front and center but like we should not settle for mediocre narrative when it's a somewhat narrative game yeah not when games are doing it well you know yeah like even there's very much a, if, if this game can do it so well how can you not even get a tenth of what they're doing you know yeah exactly like even even for all its flaws i think bioshock one two and three's narrative or infinite rather Pre- absolutely Absolutely, yeah. They they set a standard. I don't like yeah. The Last of Us, but its narrative is good. It's the gameplay I have yeah. issue with. Um, yeah. But precisely. after playing and... Yakuza Zero, and this one is looking <laughs> to me the same way. Like it changed the way I think about games yeah. narrative. Um, it, it's boggling to think of. You're gonna play sixty hours, and it's gonna be sixty solid hours of narrative. Yeah. Like what? book do you read that takes you 60 hours what what you know what series do you watch that takes you 60 hours it's and that that is like demanding of your you you can't tune out because you're playing yeah yeah it's like you just with a controller in hand you don't tune out as often it's um yeah it's a feat to be seen for sure and i think Mm. I understand why people aren't into it. Like, I 100% yes. respect and understand, yep. but I do wish that, uh, like, there is a way to do a similar thing, an abridged version, because you, not every tale needs to be as long as Yakuza, and some would even argue no. some of these tales in Yakuza don't need to be as long as they are. But yeah. it's just the space to breathe, the space to grow plot lines, the space to do all that stuff that usually yeah. a side quest is done and dusted where sometimes like 25 more hours after you saw a character for the first time, mm-hmm. they reappear and have actual meaning and things have changed for them. And that doesn't happen and, very and, often and it, in other games. And it feels like you haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah. And you haven't seen yeah. them in a long time. And yeah. How do you, how do you marry that? Right. Of like, Oh, real world time. It's been so long since I saw you. And in game time, it feels like you've gone on this journey. Yeah. Super, yeah. super good game. I can't wait to play more of it. I also started Resident Evil 7 this morning. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That game is, um, yeah, pretty messed up, eh? Um, it's a return. <laughs> it's a return to 
Yeah. Even past Resident Evil 2, right? Like, like beyond what Resident Evil 2 did. Yeah. It, um, so the reason I hadn't played it, like, I'm a huge, and I know for the last few weeks we've been talking about Resident Evil a lot because of Capcom, but I'm a huge Resident mm-hmm. Evil fan. Resident Evil 2 is my first PlayStation game ever. Um, Dad, you probably shouldn't have bought a 10-year-old, I think it was at the time, Resident Evil 2, but anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, like, I'm a huge fan, and the only reason I never played 7 was because it was a PlayStation VR title. I didn't have PlayStation VR, but I had an Oculus. So I was like, yep. I'll just wait for a PC VR to come out. And it never did. Yep. Now, apparently there are like hacked modded versions in it, but I never looked into that. Um, and then with Village coming out and all of this stuff, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to play 7. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to stream it and it's yep. going to be great. And even though I knew it was in first person and I had played the very first tech demo of it in VR, I never... Mm-hmm watched anything except a trailer for it so i actually don't know what's mm. waiting for me and oh it's weird to play that franchise because it is very much resident evil but it's weird to play it in first person and to be holding a gun and a knife and having proper melee control and but in mm. a good way and in an unexpected way and it's horrific it really is horrific so far um yep this whole like saw you're in a house kind of yep. in Louisiana, which I'd been to Louisiana. You are trapped. Like, you are just... Yeah. yeah. It, it, there's this definitely mm, feeling of um, claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. It's... Like, I was playing it in the middle of the day, and it was still pretty scary. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play through it until the end. Um, I don't think it's too long either, which is good. Yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, kind of cool. Makes me even more excited for Village. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like. I'm still kind of in shock because, like, I was when you play Resident Evil, you expect a little bit of you know grotesque nature, but like this is over the top, like almost like body horror style film, which yeah, I'm totally yeah, fine is. watching. But I went into this and was not expecting that, so I was a bit like, oh, you you we're gonna do this now, are we, Capcom? This is where we're at. Like, okay, they they definitely want to shock factor you a bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Even just, like, they're dropping F-bombs pretty regularly and stuff, which I don't associate yes. Resident Evil with that type of uh, language. So that was even... even that Resident was just Evil a- 7 almost doesn't feel Japanese. Yeah, exactly. It feels so Western. Yeah. Like, to me, this is like, this ain't your grandpappy's Resident Evil, is kind of how yeah. I feel about it. They they actually nailed the mannerisms of the... I don't remember the name of the family, but the, the family quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're all they all have great personality. Like, yeah. As you eventually meet all of them. Because there's a few characters. Um, Resident Evil 7 is a surprisingly character-driven Resident Evil. Yeah. Which is I, not something you normally say about Resident Evil. <laughs> like, I'm actually really appreciating the sort of smaller scope of it all. Like, it's, yeah. it's very much a, a It's a very Resident Evil 1, almost. right? Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, location, it's very Resident Evil 1 where you're just trapped in a house. Yeah, actually, I and said that on the stream. They... I was like, it's even got, like, the big banisters and the, the grandfather yeah. box and stuff. Like, a nice yeah, little there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and then and then to fill up the space, they just have character, which is not not a tool that Resident Evil reaches for often, but they did it very well, from what I can tell in Seven. Yeah, it just feels way more grounded than you know the mm. Wesker umbrella nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I fucking love Wesker. Wesker is a really cool character. Oh uh, yeah, I'm all um, about it too. But like, but he's again... a he's a cartoon character. Yeah, you know, like. 
Once again, I and, understand um, why people don't gravitate towards the series, kind of like Metal Gear, because it's just yeah, shit insane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like Wesker is like big boss. Is like <laughs> you know, <laughs> he has a slightly more realistic name, but that's about it. Like yeah, 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 he's yeah. he walks around in a black trench coat with sunglasses, whereas this family. On the surface, this is just a family you meet out in the bayou. Yeah. And uh, I, I, get, I, I really do think that that adds the creep factor of it eventually. Like, yeah, I see that grandma rolling yeah. around in the wheelchair, and I'm like, I know that's oh. going to be a bad time when it happens. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I hope you um, have a good time with it. So, I was also um, contractually obliged to like it, because you get an achievement as soon as you start the game, without doing anything, so... <laughs> Uh, you, you, well, you did do something. You paid money. No, I didn't because, well, I guess I did because of Game Pass, but it was on Game Pass. Yeah, like, but th- that's what those achievements are, right? Congratulations, you gave us money. Have an achievement. Yeah, exactly. Have 20 gamer points to make yourself feel good about life. Uh, and here's another crazy thing. If you look at the statistics, that's not 100% of everyone who owns the game, right? Yeah, right. Like, like that achievement does not belong to everyone who has ever bought this game. In any game. I think it was something like, uh, 28% of people who bought our games at Fellow Traveler had finished them. Which yeah. was actually on the higher side. That's <laughs> high, that's yeah. high. I was gonna say, that number is normally closer to 10%. Yeah. Um, and for the, like, in on average, the people who even start a game that they buy is anywhere between 50 to 80% of the user base. Yeah, especially when there's stuff like Steam and, you know, oh god, yeah. my backlog. Bundles. Yeah. I've bought games to stream that I still haven't touched this year. <clears throat> Bleed. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll get to it, Blue. I'll get to it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, that was just a weird uh, artifact on the uh, recording. Yeah, I'm weird. Not sure weird. what you... Strange, strange. Yeah, weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. This week on Absolutely. YouTube, we have the uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising review. Balan is editing it right now, so it'll be up on the 1st of December. You got a little preview of it today. Um, I'll also probably be doing a... I'm trying to work out what to do with the First Byte series. I think I might take it back to a stream. A stream kind of just makes a bit more sense of I'm going to check out this game. Um, so I might do a stream of Ring of Pain, which is an Australian card game. It looks pretty mm. interesting. Um, so stay tuned on that. I'll be doing that over on YouTube if it does become a live stream. Uh, and then I'm working on about 40,000 different games to review. But the one that I'm focusing on at the moment is Stirring Abyss, which I did a first bite mm. of a little while ago and I really, really enjoyed it. So we're going to dive yep. in for a full review and see how it holds up. Got to fill out that submarine, pump out all the water. Exactly. Exactly. Blue, what do you got going on? Anything? I think I'm cooking on the weekend. Yes. <laughs> like that's an event for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. How about your podcast? You want to give it a plug? Ah, Platforms and Pitfalls, the continuation of the Fabula Nova Crystallis uh, look will return probably December 15th, thereabouts. Uh, We've pushed back the recording a bit to buy ourselves a bit more time, but my co-host Rowan is very confident he'll be able to edit it easily in time. So I can't tell you what that'll sound like yet, because we haven't recorded it yet. But uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. Very soon, very soon, we'll have it done. It's going to be interesting, looking at Final Fantasy 15 and uh, Type-0 specifically. 
awesome sauce. And I'm going to mention this on the podcast just because it'll be interesting to see if anyone else mentions it because I'm pretty sure no one actually listens to this except for Chase. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to be doing a Breakfast Club award ceremony on Twitch towards the end of the year. Uh, so stay tuned for more information on that. We may even convince Dr. Blue to develop another episode of Blue's Clues to finish off the year. I have most of the components thought out. I just need to, like, create it. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Some, some fun to end off the year. Also, we have the Arnie Izakaya stream featuring the one and only Blasphemous Waffle live from my house on December 11th, oh. Friday night. Oh. Beers and oh, food I, with the boys. I totally heard that as like, Ani is a Kaya. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Ani is Kaya Why is, now. How is, how is Kaya in this equation? Yeah. Kaya's in every equation, you just don't know. He's hey, just that large. Yeah. <laughs> and in charge. Absolutely. Thanks so listening. much for listening, everyone. And uh, make sure that you follow youtube.com forward slash pixels for breakfast for weekly video updates. Uh, twitch.tv forward slash pixels for breakfast for weekly streams and uh, we'll catch you in the next pod Blue, thanks for being here as always Thank you, super fun, glad we do this Me too, and as always don't forget to pixelate your breakfast